So when the parent isn't paying attention because they're doing their work or doing something, the child can automatically start instilling a belief that they don't matter. So we'll talk more about this with the self-esteem piece, but I would really encourage every parent to really work on their own worthiness because you're going to be mirroring it to your children. That is the greatest gift you can give your children is to claim your own worthiness. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free Parenting Toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops as well as contributions from our podcast guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside. Hello, hello, Blissful Parents, Michelle Abraham, your host here today. I am joined by a very special guest who's going to speak to us all about self-esteem in our kids, which, oh my gosh, the timing of this can be any more perfect. So please help me in welcoming Coach Gail Jones to the show today. Hi, Gail. How are you doing? Hi, Michelle. And I am so excited to be here today with uh, your listeners. It's such an important topic with the mental health crisis in the world right now. And there are just so many ways we can empower our kids. And I just want to say something to the parents really quickly. Kudos to you. You've been through the most challenging time in history and raising kids at the same time. I'm just going to encourage you right now, be extraordinarily gentle with yourself. That's a very nice message to start off with because I do feel like we've been through the ringer and back a little bit in the last few years as parents. So that's awesome. Let me tell you, Blissful Parents, a little bit more about our amazing guest today. So Gail is an intuitive coach, a gifted wordsmith, and inspiring teacher. She's been leading clients through transformation for more than 20 years. She's also certified in high self-esteem coaching for parents, educators, and children, which is really awesome. She's author of two books, Cancer as a Love Story, Developing the Mindset of Living, uh, Mindset for Living, and Do Hell and Back, Healing Your Way Through Transition. So both books were met with rave reviews on Amazon and elsewhere. Gail also started her career as a journalist. And so um, she's also appeared as a worthiness coach on so many different CBC, TVD, Emmy Award winning talk shows, The Doctors, Sirius XFM. And, and she also writes for Maria Shriver's Sunday Paper and Brains Magazine. She's trained hundreds of heart math coaches globally on her worthiness, worthiness platform. And with our signature program, The Journey to the Heart of Worthiness. She's also a podcast host of Claim Your Worthiness and Intimate Conversations with Gail Jones, which is featuring national and international leaders, handpicked experts, and others who have transformed their lives to serve. So thank you so much for joining us. Gail, as you can see, she is the expert, you guys, on self-esteem, kids, and self-worth, and worthiness. And ah, just so juicy. I love it. Can't wait to dive into the conversation. (laughs) 
Excellent. So Gail, let's start us off here. What the heck can we do to help our kids really have some self-esteem? It's see, I'm seeing it left, right, and center everywhere. Kids are melting, falling apart, having mm-hmm. some mental health issues. So we are in a crisis, I think, and we need some yeah. immediate solutions. Well, the first thing I want to say is I just want to go back to worthiness um, because it's it's integral to um, how our kids are developing. And as parents, mm-hmm. most of us did not get an ideal sense of worthiness. Worthiness is formed or created. We're born worthy. It's in, we're innately worthy. But it gets conditioned into us during the first zero to six or seven years of life. And if we don't feel worthy now, and there's many of us who don't, or get challenged during different times in life, I really want you to get this. You did nothing wrong. You just didn't get the 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 proper nurturing to have that sense of worthiness. And we're not here to beat our parents because they probably didn't get it either. So this is how worthiness is instilled. And we're going to talk a little bit this more about this with the self-esteem as well. In order to feel worthy, we have to be seen, heard, validated, and acknowledged. Yeah. So what happens is little kids, a lot of times parents aren't acknowledging the feelings or they're trying to get through something or do something. And it's as simple as this. And again, this is this whole journey is with love and compassion. Mm-hmm. I'll just stress this over and over again. But say a kid has a, a parent that's working all the time and traveling all the time and, and, you know, busy doing what that parent has to do. That child can make, when that parent is busy and isn't seeing, hearing, validating, acknowledging them, can make a belief about themselves that they don't matter, not worthy. When because they don't, you don't have the discernment skills till seven or twelve to realize this isn't about me. So when the parent isn't paying attention because they're doing their work or doing something, the child can automatically start instilling a belief that they don't matter. So we'll talk more about this with the self-esteem piece. But I would really encourage every parent to really work on their own worthiness because you're going to be mirroring it to your children. That is the greatest gift you can give your children is to claim your own worthiness. Mm. I think some of us might need some help with that. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we model good good self-worth? Well, I think first of all, um, this keys, well, first of all, noticing how you act unworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a lot of this is conditioned into us. So mm-hmm. again, love, loving kindness, I'm going to stress over and over again. Um, when we don't be, when we don't get asked to be paid our worth, that's unworthy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, women especially, especially if you're in the helping professions, we are conditioned to give a lot, mm-hmm. and we go into those professions because we like giving. But if you're an overgiver, first mm-hmm. of all, you'll burn out. Second of all, you will attract takers. So in relationship, and I would really, you know, in raising children as they grow old, just teach them over and over again about the balance of giving and taking. If we can't receive, we won't receive money. We won't receive love. Mm-hmm. We'll just keep on giving. So that's another way it shows up. I also think unworthiness shows up in uh, when we've had failures in the past or mistakes, we can be wired to expect disappointment. So we'll always be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So to shift that, allow yourself to be pleased. And that might sound very simple, but it isn't if you've had a lot of disappointment and have not had a lot of worthiness. So uh, a sense of worthiness. So the good news is, even though it's it's wired in the first zero to six or seven years, because of neuroscience and neuroplasticity, we can rewire this in at any age. A lot of my clients are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s, and I've helped them rewire their sense of worthiness. Um, So it's really important to know that it's within you 
And the other key thing, when we look at the mental health crisis and we see a lot of things that's happening with the youth and a lot of the young athletes, a lot of them based their quote unquote self-esteem on their performance. Mm. So when they couldn't perform, they got injured. They didn't know who they were. So the key to worthiness is not based on what you do. Worthiness is based on who you are and being acknowledged for who you are. So if you've gotten all your validation from something external and you lose that external thing, you won't have that sense of self. So that's yeah, that makes sense for all the athletes and kids that have been, you know, so focused on getting good grades and getting into school. Then after school is done, like where's their where's their validation and their self-worth coming from then? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and another key point I just say for all of us, the parents and the kids, mm-hmm. is, you know, we are in historically challenging times. And I like to focus on the positive that this is going to be a better world. We're going to have better education systems. We're going to have better things as a result of this. But we're in, we're in it right now, the mm-hmm. reconstruction. Um, this is the most powering thing you can learn is we are not our circumstances. So whatever's happening outside, that is not our essence. That is not who we are. Mm-hmm. And if we let our circumstances define us, whether they're good or bad, we'll sink. Mm. And when you build this internal foundation, nothing can take it away, nothing. So, And we've all been conditioned to focus on the external. And even if you had an ideal parent, a childhood, and you're giving your children an ideal, the most ideal childhood we can give them, and we're all (laughs) imperfect in our own ways, right? We do our best. But Society will still condition us to believe that we're not enough. If you don't have the big enough house, the big enough car, big enough salary. So you could have had the greatest upbringing and still been conditioned to believe you're not worthy by society. So one thing to really pay attention to is the parents. And I guess I'm talking to the parents a lot because you're going to be teaching your children this as you integrate it yourself. Anytime you do not feel enough, I want you to find a way to track where you have plenty. It could be plenty of time, plenty of friends, plenty of food, but just start tracking being enough and having enough, mm-hmm. um, not based on external expectations, but not when we don't feel enough, we won't have enough. Wow. Just letting that sink in parents. Cause that's, that's a big one. If we're not, if we're not feeling like we're enough, it's almost impossible for us to help our kids feel like they're enough and how their self-worth is that right like it really oh, yeah. our parents have to have it right first before we can really teach it and help our kids um, blossom right 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 so i wanted to just talk about um three uh and i want to teach five keys ways to uh, instilling a higher sense of self-esteem with kids but i want to talk about um things that I was never taught. I wasn't even taught this as a coach, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't taught it um, as a parent. My children are now um, 25 and 29. But um, we have three addictive, we all have them, low self-esteem states. Mm. And we all have a predominant one. But right now, I would imagine what was happening in the world, we've, we've had them all. <laughs> so, so the low self-esteem states are fear, mm-hmm. anger, and sadness. Mm. So learning... Which one is your predominant one is very important. And observing your children and seeing which is the one they usually go to. Know their predominant low self-esteem state, uh, self, low self-esteem state. Mm-hmm. And then the high self-esteem states. Now, this is really important. A lot of people are afraid to praise their children or say too much because they don't want them to be egomaniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a misperception of what a high self-esteem person looks like. 
a high self-esteem person doesn't have to be someone that's on a stage rocking the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be a mega star um, or, or it's all about them. These are the qualities of a high self-esteem person. This is the state they're in. And again, we can learn them. We can mm-hmm. train ourselves to get in and we can train our kids. So generosity, gratitude, gratitude and generosity, I kind of put together. Gratitude is the big umbrella. Right. Empathy and forgiveness. Mm. High self-esteem people are in that state most of the, those states most of the time. And I want to stress on the forgiveness piece, especially right now with all the challenges that we've all gone through. And we got to congratulate ourselves for what we've been through and <laughs> reinventing ourselves. It's important to have forgiveness for other people, but I also think we forget to have forgiveness for ourselves, mm-hmm. especially as parents. So um, I think it's really important those distinguishes between the low and the high self-esteem states. Okay. You have two children. I'm just curious. Were you taught that? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I had a really great childhood, um, like a really great childhood, but I feel like there was some... Uh, I always struggled with some self-worthiness and uh, I remember one pivotal moment in like probably grade six, I went from one group of friends to another very quickly, went from very popular to very unpopular. (laughs) And it was based on one decision I made with friends. And uh, it was interesting. That was, that was a hard wave to ride. And I think it carried on throughout my life, um, just feeling not worthy then of those friends in that moment. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting when us as parents haven't really figured out that puzzle piece to then, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to my kids and like, what state are they in? What's their go-to? And, um, yes, it's interesting to see how, how, what we struggled with is also maybe something that our kids struggle with. There's so much that kids have to deal with. I think that if they are equipped with the right tools, to get mm-hmm. through it. Oh my gosh, how much, how many of those stories I have in my head from things that happened wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have carried them on for so long had I had the right, right. Um, the right training and the right tools to be a confidence. Right. But just to know we have the power. So when you see your child in one of these states, anger, sadness, mm-hmm. or fear, and know which is their predominant state, you can teach them, what can you be grateful for right now? So you can teach them how to shift the state. Mm. I don't want to ignore their feelings. I will never tell anybody yeah. to their feelings. I, I work with people all the time to um, elevate their feelings and bring right. their feelings. But you can help them shift into the state by teaching them, what can you be grateful for right now? How can you have empathy for that person that might have hurt you? Because if somebody hurt you, like for bullying, for example, which is common, it's escalating a lot. The bully is really somebody with low self-esteem. Right. Mm-hmm. And in order for the bully to be acting that way, that bully has to be in a lot of pain. So if you can look at that bully as somebody with low self-esteem, who's in a lot of pain, that's a way to start acquiring empathy. And a lot of times when people hurt us or are mean to us, even as adults, mm-hmm. um, it's not about us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and learning that so that they don't uh, take it personally. That's a really powerful one. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many situations at school, I think, kids that are faced with. So having the tools for them to to navigate them would be so helpful. So when our kids are 
Um, you know, obviously this is something that would be helpful to know when before they're seven, but most of our parents now have kids that are over that five, six, seven age group now. So now what are some things that we can do when we're starting to notice some of these states of anger or sadness or fear? Well, first of all, oh, so again, back to the worthiness piece. Um, Mm. yep. See, hear, validate, and acknowledge the feelings. Mm. Whether you agree or disagree with them, just hear them out. Do you say something yeah. like, I understand, or I see that you're, you're sad right now, or you see yes, that you can repeat yeah. back to what their feeling is, their emotion, but don't, don't tell them, oh, you'll get over it. You know, really let them have the experience of having their emotion and look them in the eye, even get down to the knee level if they're little, but look them in the eye and have them have a sense of your presence. It doesn't have to be 24 seven, cause that's impossible. But mm-hmm. when they are expressing a need or emotion that you really are present for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've heard stories over and over again from uh, uh, early uh, preschool teachers and kindergarten teachers, you know, when the parents have come to pick up the kids are on the cell phone talking away. And some of them said that the kids don't even want to, you know, in the old days, kids would rush to see their parents at the right. end of the day. They don't even anymore. Right. Make that time when your child walks in the door, you pick that mm-hmm. child up. That is your time to connect with that child. Don't rush to the phone or check a text or that's, and they know it, they feel it. They feel cut off right away. Mm, interesting. So, and it's funny. Um, one of my, it's reminded me of one of my friends, uh, she's an, um, an intuitive coach and she, when her kids come in through the door, she dusts them off and it's like, she's dusting oh, off all the that. energy from the day. And her kids at first like, what are you doing? Well, like, weird, but it was became this ritual where she would meet That's her so kids clever. at the door, dust them off of like all the external like energy that right. they brought with them. Then right. they would come into the house, and soon enough, after a few days of doing this, they would start asking for it. If she wasn't like, you know, mom, can you dust oh, me off, please? Because that feeling of like coming in and having that presence of their mom there and then the the, the yeah. cleansing of the leaving what's at the door from yeah, school. That's beautiful. That's so cool. this, re- this reminds me of a neuroscience tip. Um, I did this with my children when they're little before I was even a coach. But um, we know in neuroscience, which is a lot of my training, that the five minutes we get up in the morning and the five minutes before we go to bed at night are the most important times of the day. We're starting with a clean slate in the morning. If you run to your cell phone or email, you're missing that precious five minutes to rewire your brain for worthiness or any other empowering emotion that you want to feel. Mm -hmm. But the five minutes before you go to bed at night are really critical because, and this is with the kids, because what you're really doing is you're downloading the software into the brain. So if you're agitated or upset, you should not go to bed. But when my kids were little, I would tuck them in, I'd read a book. And then I would ask them this one question. They could come home from school and have been dusted off. Right. Uh, whatever happens, right? But when, and you know, good, bad, made the team, didn't, failed a test, did whatever. But when they went to bed at night, I'd read them the story and then I'd ask them, what was the best part of your day? That is what churned around in their brains when they went to sleep. Mm, that's great. That's a good idea. It, it doesn't mean I didn't acknowledge everything else before that. But when they went to sleep, what was the best part of your day? Sometimes it was that moment you know, tucking them in, reading a book, but um, it's really important that, and I think as adults, we should do that too. Mm-hmm. What was the best part of yeah, your day? So we leave the, leave the day with the best thing in our mind. That right. happened. That's a great idea. I love that. Cause I w- I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like our, um, our bedtime routine is seems to be like the download of everything that didn't get said after school or at dinner time. It seems oh. to all come out at bedtime. <laughs> 
<laughs> five minutes before. Okay. So that makes sense of why you were doing that. Cause this is what was happening at school. Okay. And so, which is good. It's like, so grateful that we have that time at bedtime, but then I like that to end on the, what, what was the best thing that happened today? Cause sometimes when we start talking about all the things that went on during the school day weren't the best and that caused some more emotion. So then that's a great way of closing it for the day. I like that. Excellent. So I want to give some more tips. So uh, the first tip I would say on uh, creating high self-esteem kids, because mm-hmm. we can create them. Uh, it's a collaborative effort between us and the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Is to love them unconditionally. And I know that seems like a given, but what often happens is when kids make a mistake, mm-hmm. um, they might not feel unconditionally loved. Right. And it's really, really important to teach kids that mistakes are okay. Mm-hmm don't have to be perfect to be loved. And as a matter of fact, the best learners make a lot of mistakes. The kids that make the most mistakes do the best. Mm-hmm. So really love them unconditionally. And part of that means in the process of raising your kids, start loving yourself unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Again, sounds easier said than done. Mm-hmm. So one way to do that, because a lot of us are hardwired to beat ourselves up. It's just part of what happens, and especially in challenging times. How can I be kind to myself today? And when you find yourself going down a rabbit hole of beating yourself up, something that didn't go well, how can I treat myself kindly about that? It's really empowering. And also teaching your kids, you know, after they, you know, go process their mistake, how can I be kind now? I learned something. What did I learn? So love them unconditionally. Absolutely. Um, the second is, again, I would just encourage the worthiness. So when you acknowledge your children on the worthiness, this is really key that I don't think a lot of people were taught or not the last generations. You want to acknowledge them for their essence. You want to acknowledge like, you can acknowledge they did a great job, great grade, great whatever, glad you made the team and all that. But you really want to make time to acknowledge them for the essence. I love how sweet you are. I love how kind you are. I love your creativity. I love uh, your humor. You're really funny. Mm-hmm. Make sure you notice what makes them unique mm-hmm. besides what they do, but who they are and how they interact with people and acknowledge them every single day. It's acknowledge is a little different than praise, right? Because mm-hmm. praise is like a lot of based on performance. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I'll just stress over and over again, there's been way too much emphasis on performance, which is why we have part of the reason we have a mental health crisis. Yeah. They are lovable whether they get the A or not. They are lovable whether they make the team or not. And what are your children's unique qualities that you can praise them for every day and also help them grow into? So say you see um, a young child making friends and they might be very sensitive um, acknowledge that their sensitivity is a gift or, or, or instead of they have to be shamed about it. Or if you see them acting in a more loving way, but they don't know how to do it yet, really mm-hmm. acknowledge, like see them in the bigger version of themselves, right. help them go into that, even though they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So um, acknowledgement is so Yeah. And I love, I think we've really been conditioned to do the, you know, praising them for like, oh, you scored the goal in the soccer game or you, you scored the, you know, the goal in the hockey game or whatever. But yeah, like you said, like performance-based things. So great, great, great tip. Yep. And then the third tip is, again, because we're parenting and we are trying to correct, you know, behaviors to make them 
more functional and uh, happier. Um, but there, te- there can be a tendency to, to look for what's wrong because you want to parent and you know educate and help them grow. I would make a conscious commitment. This is different than acknowledging, but a conscious commitment every day to find something right about your child. Mm. Even in the times when you don't like them or they're you know misbehaving, you can love them, right? We know that. But um, really consciously try to find what's right. Even especially through some of the challenging times, like when they're in a testy mood or, mm-hmm. uh, right? But that's really important to do. And again, I'm just going to keep on bringing it back to yourself. Find something <laughs> that you do right every day. Right. And so when you find something that they've done right, um, you want to acknowledge that and also say, share that with them, that they've done that right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And can and also, that be more performance-based or that's more something that they've done right? Like they've they remembered to lock the door when they left the house or something. Yeah. Or they um, they treated a friend kindly or, yes, mm-hmm. um, trying to think of some other examples of what they've done right. Um, that will seem a little bit more performance-based, but that's okay. Pardon me? Yeah, it's okay that they they seem more performance-based, those ones, those acknowledgements, or they want to stay away from the performance-based ones. You can acknowledge your children when they do well performing, but you don't want their whole identity, their their lovability to be based on that they have to right. get that grade or make that team. Yeah. They're lovable whether they do it or not, but you really want to admire them for the courage and the commitment to go after mm-hmm. what they're going after. But I think even just knowing noticing what they do right can just be kindness. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be performance. It can be, mm-hmm. um, or I knew you were upset in that mo- moment. You handled that really well. Mm-hmm. You took time to pause mm-hmm. instead of reacting. So that's not really performance based. That's more, no, yeah, yeah, behavior. Or um, you treated your little sister. That was so sweet what you did for your little sister. Or or you were so kind when she was upset. Or thank you for watching the baby for a few hours. Or you know whatever. But um, just notice what they do right. Yeah, those are great ones. And when they make mistakes, keep on telling them mistakes are part of life. They're going to make them. They didn't, they're not bad people for making mistakes. Yeah, I've noticed kids are afraid to try things um, or try afraid to make mistakes. And so that's a really great reminder to, you know, let our kids know it's okay to make mistakes. And the more mistakes they make, the better, the better. <laughs> yeah, the, the more mistakes they make, the more lessons they learn. Yeah. We don't learn lessons without some mistakes sometimes, right? Yeah. And, um, what was the other uh, couple I want to make sure I got? Oh, it's really important to teach your children. I know we talked about the high self-esteem states and the low self-esteem mm-hmm. t- states, but it's really important to take time to teach them what empathy is and what gratitude is. Mm. You know, it could even be they could have a gratitude journal or when they go to bed at night, what was the best part of your day? Ask them what is what are one, two or three things you're grateful for. Mm, but to teach them that right now, especially with this world, because we have so much negativity around us Mm. and to help them realize that there's a lot of good in the world and in them. Mm. I shared a gratitude game that we play at the dinner table. It's like the rose and thorn, (laughs) two, two, two roses and a thorn. So two things that you're really grateful for the day. And one thing that you would, you know, like to change or could have done better <laughs> oh i love that yeah my Ooh. kids love it and we started doing it and then um we started doing it for a few a few weeks and then they're the ones that bring it up all the time <laughs> we forget they bring it up <laughs> is that your game the roses and the thorn it's not my own i heard that somewhere else but it's oh, been a really good oh, I love one it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- again i think parents could do that too Absolutely. in talking to each other right and yeah. even in eating friends right mm-hmm. yes um 
And then the other thing um, that is really important is to teach your children, and this goes back to the empathy again, and this builds high self-esteem because it, it gives them um, a sense of self. Teach them to be able to distinguish, and this is for young children. The earlier we can start, the better. The difference between a, a fact and an interpretation. Mm. Okay, so if a friend hurts them, said something mean, the, the fact could be, to them, it could be that person was mean to me. Right. The interpretation could be, I hate them. I'm sad. I hate them. I'm angry. I'm mad. Right? Yeah. And then, and the truth is, what is, what, what's the difference between the fact and the interpretation? What really happened? There's somewhere in between often, right? And to have them understand that there's another person involved. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it one way. They're seeing it another way. And how can we turn this around so that we, we're walking in each other's shoes? And their shoes, this is a, a, a severe example, but they might have just lost somebody they loved and they're really fragile, mm-hmm. okay? In your shoes, you're flying high. You just made the team. Everything's going great. So you could be on different paths. So try to teach them to really try to walk in somebody else's shoes um, when they're triggered. Mm. Yeah, that's a great one. And again, I don't think most of us were taught that. Were you taught that? Oh, no, definitely not. No, not in that not in that exact way. I feel like I kind of got it over a while, but not not in that exact way. Right. Not just so deliberately, anyways. Right. Not intentionally right. teaching it in that way. Um, right. Wow, Gail, these have been some great, uh, great tips. And know you have something for our parents too that we can take home and kind of like use as a guideline. Can you sure. share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, for everybody listening today, I'm giving a free handout on uh, five ways to instill uh, worthiness. Um, do you want me to tell you what they are or do you want to wait to get the handout? Sure. No, tell, if you can tell us the high level real quick what they are, that'd be great. Yeah. So the first one is to make sure you treat yourself with love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Again, we did nothing wrong for not having a greater sense of worthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't get hardwired in or we got a life curveball that threw us off like you were talking when you were in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So it's with love and compassion as we're integrating it again. I ask every one of my clients to make sure they set up 20 minutes of me time a day. Silence. It could be you can be sitting with a cup of tea, watching a cloud go by, um, listening to music. But that 20 minutes of me time, what it does is it teaches your brain that you're worth it. You are worth it. Priority of having me time. Mm-hmm. So at least 20 minutes a day is essential. And the longer, the better. But that's important. And then this statement, um, I'll just share. I know a lot of people do work with affirmations that are in personal growth and development. I like allowing statements better, and I'll tell you why. If you're rewiring the brain for a new belief around worthiness, for example, or like, I'll give an example. When my first book came out, if I said, I am a best-selling author, it feels like a lie. It's a lot of resistance. It's the first mm-hmm. book, um, and it also feels very driven, like, I'm going to make this happen, 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 right? If I say, I allow myself to be a best-selling author, I allow for the whole universe to support me, mm-hmm. and more importantly, I allow for the new neural pathway in the brain to form around that belief because I'm not resisting it. I'm creating a bridge, right? Right. So I'm really explaining that because when you see this on the handout. Yeah, uh, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah. I love the allowing better. And as you start feeling it more and you you start really connecting with the belief, it's okay to say, I am worthy. But so the third uh, tip is to repeat. 
a couple times a day, I allow myself to know I'm worthy. Mm. And the brain sees best in capital letters. So if even if you write it down, it's really great to write it down because mm. it takes 20 seconds to start forming a new neural pathway. So if you write down, I allow myself to know I'm worthy, you're creating the pathway as you write. Um, and it takes anywhere from 45 to 63 days to change a belief. I think it could take longer depending on your age or yeah. shorter depending on your age. Like I've I've coached a lot of uh, teenagers or college students and they get it pretty quickly. Yeah. And you know, for somebody in their 50s, we, we might take a little longer. And again, the journey's love and compassion. Um, and then another important question, I'm, I'm going to leave this another tip for parents, is to ask yourself this question, what would my life look like if I knew I were worthy? Mm-hmm. And what that does is, and again, it just, it expands beyond your current circumstances where you are now. And like, I can have more than, more than this. Not that this isn't enough, but yeah. let, let's go for the dream. Let's go for just expanding our heart in whatever way we want. Let's, let's plan this. Um, so that's a really important question. What would my life look like if I knew I was worthy? That can change. And also, just by the way, on my website, which I think you're going to share in the show notes, mm-hmm. this, this free guided meditation on worthiness. Oh, it's that's 15, great. Yeah. It's a 13-minute meditation mm-hmm. on the homepage um, below the video, and you can do it yourself, and you'll be amazed what comes up for yourself. And then this is key, really key, when you take the tips and and, and work with them. So after saying, I allow myself to know I'm worthy, um, have a journal or a piece of paper at least mm-hmm. and start tracking evidence every day of knowing you're worthy. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's um, again, that's rewind the brain. And the evidence can be like, okay, so I'm worthy to receive. That's a really big one. Okay. I keep on talking about that. So what did you receive today? It can be little, it can be as little as a compliment or mm-hmm. you're standing in line and somebody has, um, only a few groceries, uh, you have a lot and they have a little and they just say, oh, go, go, you go or vice versa, whatever. But somebody offers you their place in line at the grocery mm-hmm. store mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, no, no. Just say, oh, yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So allow yourself to receive. So tracking evidence of worthiness, I would look for ways you receive, ways that you're paid your worth or asked for your worth, mm-hmm. ways that you feel pleased. But you'll find your own evidence of knowing you're worthy and it has to be customized to you. So those are the five tips on the good thing for us to do with our kids too to help them uh you know help them find evidence of their worthiness too. Yes. So there's one other quick thing you can do as parents and kids. It's really fun. It's very empowering. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't you could start it at age two, three, four, five, six, whatever. But as I would have them create a vision board mm-hmm. with it before they do the vision board, ask them what what would their life look like if they're worthy? What do they want in their life? Right? Mm-hmm. They could do a vision board every year. You mm-hmm. could be doing your vision board. They can be doing their vision board. But when you look at that vision board and you put pictures up of what you want to create, it 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 gets again, it gets the focus off the circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. And you go for your dreams. It's very empowering to do a vision board. I open I open up a vision board I did in a booklet when I was living in Switzerland when I was 19 years old. And I looked at it probably when I was like 30. So like 11 years later. And the picture of the guy there was going down this water slide with two twins, with twin little kids. And I have the same picture of my husband at our wedding. Like he looks like the guy in the picture and he's going down a water slide with my twin nephews. <laughs> it's like wow. so crazy. I hadn't looked yes. at that picture in like 11 years, but it was exactly right. what, <laughs> so funny. And just a little tip on vision board, if anybody does them, that the key is to get into the feeling of what you want. It's not the outcome. Mm-hmm. So for example, if people put on a vision board, a certain dollar figure of money, which, you know, it's great to do, 
But what people really want around money often is freedom. Mm-hmm. So what is the feeling of freedom? Get into the feeling. But I could do a whole seminar just on vision. Oh yeah, we'll have to have you back for that whole time. That's a good one. But that's a great, um, that's a great family activity. And it just is creative for the, your children and to have cool. them instill this worthiness and new dreams. So yeah, yeah, I love that idea. That's fantastic. I've always done them myself. I never thought to do them with the kids. So great idea. Yeah. Oh, Gail, Dr. Gail, this has been so, so fun. And I'm calling you Dr. Gail because you, to me, are the doctor of worthiness <laughs> and, and um, such a great coach. So how uh, how can we um, how can we work with you or how can our audience reach you or connect with you? Okay, I've got, so I'll put your links in the show notes as well. Yep. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm Coach Gail Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and on LinkedIn, I'm Gail Carnan Jones, and then spelling of my name will be in the notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. one. Uh, you can email me at gailjones at claimyourworthiness.com if you have any questions, mm-hmm. uh, especially after listening to the guided meditation. And I do offer a six-session coaching package. Right now, my coaching packages around worthiness are for the parents, not the mm-hmm. kids, because mm-hmm. I want the kid, I want the I want the parents to gift themselves with this yes. and yeah. then teach it to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um so that's really great idea. Um, working right now. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us today. This has been fantastic. And Blissful Parents, my challenge to you this week is to go out there and start noticing evidence of your worthiness in the world and start keeping track of it. And, you know, make, start making some acknowledgments to your kids of things that you see them doing that will help with their self-esteem. Uh, this has been fantastic. And refer to uh, the handout that Dr. Uh, I keep calling you Dr. Gill because in my mind, you were Liz's doctor of self-esteem. So I hope you don't mind me. It's calling you the doctor now. <laughs> I love it. Coach just doesn't seem, I, I seems to be enough. So you're a doctor in my mind now. Thank you. And uh, Michelle, I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. I think what you're doing is so beautiful and it's so wonderful. And I love that you're also a parent. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it authentic. And I think it's really important when we can be vulnerable and share our own challenges and what we've gone through and uh, and relate to other parents that there is no roadmap for this. We're all learning as we go, no matter what their ages are. Right. And here's the secret, Bustle Parents. I secretly do this show for my own coaching and my own benefit of helping raise better kids. <laughs> and so I love bringing on guests I learned so much from. It's so great. <laughs> and by me doing this and bringing you along the journey, I hope you do as well. So <laughs> thanks so much, uh, Gail. We're so great, so grateful to have you. And hopefully we can bring you back again for another show in the future. Grateful to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Bustle Parents, go out there and have a fabulous week. We'll see you again next week right here. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free Parenting Toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops as well as contributions from our podcast guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting 
www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside.